Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Happy Labor Day, all. Uh, I am Nick Slavic. I'm the proprietor of the Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration Company. I'm also the show host of this show, Ask a Painter Live. It is a weekly live Facebook show, Instagram show, sometimes TikTok show, um, where I use my uh, over 30 years of experience as a master craftsperson and a paint business entrepreneur to answer any of your questions. And uh, on Instagram, chime in, guys. Uh, I'll be answering some questions, but I have some deep thoughts on labor. It is Labor Day uh, and things that go beyond a little bit labor into our normal lives. So if you guys have any questions, comments, anything you want me to talk about today, you know what to do. Drop it in the comments on either one of these things and we will check it out. Kindest thing you can do for this show and for me and for all the people watching is to share the show right? Uh, just get it out there. Uh, this show is a dog whistle. All of your followings are dog whistles uh, to basically just find other great people like us. So uh, I'm going to deep dive into some uh, Labor Day deep thoughts, things that I've been thinking of over the last three days, maybe even three years. Uh, and then we can ask or answer any questions that you guys have here. So thanks for everybody following on Instagram. Um, there is a whole bunch of events going on later on this month. I'm going to be in SoCal at the surf prep sanding facility doing master's classes. This is the big stuff guys, marketing and estimating. Um, these things are the hottest topics in our industry right now. Everybody's going nuts about how do you get the leads? When you do get the leads, what do you charge for X? Boy, do I have some data for you guys. Uh, we go deep in my company. We go deep, deep, deep with analytics and data so that we can go all the way out and simplify the entire process. And I think you guys will be surprised how simple that we make our estimating process and reliable and profitable that it is. So more to follow on that. Uh, we will also be deep diving into a lot of that stuff this winter when we get into um, uh, sort of the mastering the basics stuff. Uh, once all the summer stuff slows down here too, and we see Wonder Pup Sig down here too, hanging out with me. It's about a hundred degrees today outside. So we're taking it easy. Typically I would, I would share my deep thoughts from the box blind today, but my phone would overheat in 30 seconds and render this uh, inactive. So let's get into it, everybody. And let's talk about Labor Day 2023. And thank you all for watching. Thank you uh, for taking time out of your busy weeks, uh, time with family and everything too, to do this. So, all right, give me the next one. Labor Day. Labor Day, folks. Um, labor Day is a celebration of the labor, uh, the people who do the labor and the achievements of the labor that have progressed the United States. And there's a whole bunch of other countries that do this too. Sometimes even on the same uh, general day, some countries do it in May. Um, in the United States, this has been celebrated for 141 years. It is a long time, long time. Obviously, uh, there's labor unions in there. There's other stuff like that. But uh, what's interesting is that the PCA, the Painting Contractors Association, is within a year or two, just as old as Labor Day. So you can tell uh, late 1800s, big labor movement, industrial revolution, things like that. It was the thing to do is to organize support and uh, um, sort of celebrate labor, that sort of thing. So long, long time. Now, <laughs> you know I love the data. So let's get into this. Teenage birth rate versus parent income rank. So what you see here on the bottom on the access is uh, parent income rank. And as you go up, you are more wealthy. So in the 10 percentile versus the 90 to 100, then I apologize, my, my face is blocking the richest people down in the corner there. Uh, and then the teenage birth rate. So what this graph tells you is that 
the lower income you are, the higher likelihood that you're going to have a teenage birth, right? The more wealthy, the more prosperous you are, the more likely you're not going to have a teenage birth. And births in general are like that too. So um, why do I bring this up, right? So in countries like China, in countries like Japan, they're actually suffering from not enough humans, not enough humans at all. So Hey, little Pookie, what you need, babe? Yeah. Should we rent it or buy it? The buy is like $25. <laughs> okay, I'll be in in a second, okay? Okay. You can, is it Mission Impossible? All right, you can buy it. All right, love you. All right, we're we're gearing up for a Mission Impossible movie night here after, after eating some pulled pork. So little Pookie just poked her head in here and wanted to see what we should do with it. So, all right, so places like Japan, um, they're very prosperous, very aging. Um, society. And, um, I remember growing up in schools that we were going to have too many humans overpopulation. That is absolutely not the case. Now in my short lifetime from, um, sort of paying attention in school to what was the, um, sort of like disaster du jour, right? Uh, uh all the things that were going to be catastrophic towards the human race, it was overpopulation. And now we have not only completely swung from that, it is now underpopulation. So a country can actually suffer from not having enough kids. Now, the problem is what this graph will show you when you take it out to a larger sort of zoom out globally is Japan is very much more prosperous. They're on the right side of this graph. Uh, there's a lot of countries that are on the left side, less prosperous than that. Lots of birth in the lower, low prosperity countries, no birth or sometimes negative birth in the very prosperous countries. So what does that mean for labor? It means it's not going to get any easier, folks, right? If in the last decade we've sat around and said there's no good people out there or we put an ad out and a whole bunch of people who are really good people that are exactly skilled in what we need are going to come rushing our doors, I don't think that will ever be the case again. Now, we may go through this painter's boom where we bring people and we get a bunch of great entrepreneurs like our friends here, Alpine, Ellison Painting, things like that. And we may be able to temporarily do that, but gone are the days where there's just a whole bunch of experienced painters who are good people out there and uh, just ready to work. It's just, we have to create our own. Just like in the new tech economy, with the advent of AI and things like that, everybody's making their own. Everything iterates, everything changes. And the painting industry basically has not changed for a hundred years. There's a can of paint, there is a structure and there are humans to put it on. And honestly, if we're being honest, paintbrush, roller, airless sprayer, a little bit of innovation, but humans putting that stuff on has not changed. So <clears throat> the reason I say this is because it's not going to get any easier. So if you do not have an employee manual, if you do not have onboarding, if you do not have training, if you don't, if you don't get rid of your head trash about trying to create your own people, this is going to be a very difficult industry for you to, to operate in. Thanks everybody for watching, by the way, too. So apprentices by country per thousand. Uh, this is back from 2019. Uh, Denmark, UK, Germany, Australia, Finland, and the US. So this is, you know, 48 out of a thousand uh, in Denmark, our apprentice. And you're going to find, you know, smaller, uh, more autonomous countries, things like that are, are, are going to have these weird outliers. But when you start looking at the UK, Germany, and Australia, pretty diverse countries, right? And 33 people out of a thousand are apprenticing under some technical skill. And now apprenticing doesn't have to be the trades, right? It could be robotics. It could be AI. It could be aircraft maintenance. I mean, it could be um, uh, 3D printing, things like that. Um, uh, but 
typically what you find is the oddest part is we really don't have apprenticeships, right? And uh, there's the unions, things like that. And good for them. I've been to the union training facility, the painting decorate, uh, painting uh, facility here in Minnesota. It's world-class. It, it is an amazing system. It's actually accredited. So you can get college credits by going there. Problem is they don't touch houses. Very few union laborers in the painting and decorating trades touch any residential houses. They'll do municipal work. They'll do commercial. They'll do industrial. So listen, that's fine. <clears throat> I'm not for or against unions in that regard, but they don't touch what we do. So if you think unions are here, are going to be here to solve this, they don't touch what we do. And we need to take that under uh, our own belt, things like that. But pretty striking when you look at the amount of real apprenticeship out there in the world where a country like the UK has 10 times more apprentices there. And, uh, you know, I, I just spoke with the uh, PDA, um, the, the PCA, a version of the PCA in the UK, and they are a robust um, trades community over there that really, really appreciate the finer touches of it. There's pride in craftsmanship. There's pride in getting unified and involved with these groups. And it's just different. So again, I'm presenting this because not only are there less humans out there, there is less and less and less and less apprenticeship. In my lifetime, I have seen a, a trade school for painting and wallpapering go away. I remember when I started my painting company 15 years ago, there used to be um, <clears throat> some wallpaper hanging craft schools in the country. Now they were small, right? But you could go, I think one was down in Georgia and you could go to this old mansion and they would put you in a class and it would be an apprenticeship. And you could actually take classes from masters and get certified and things like that. To my knowledge, they have all since gone away. They have all since gone away since then. So um, that's, I mean, in our lifetime, we are seeing that go away. And I'm being overrun by houseflies too, by the way. There's some sort of plague in Southern Minnesota uh, where it's sort of like, we just have this house fly hatch. So if you see a fly buzzing around, it's just, yeah, it's what we're dealing with here. So <laughs> uh, cost of education versus real median income. So now when we start thinking about, well, you know, the cost of higher education, things like that, we have some things that work in our favor and uh, things that don't work in our favor. Not enough people, right? Uh, lower birth rate, uh, lower apprenticeship does not work in our favor. The cost of education is pretty insane, right? So what you look at is the household income on this graph stays pretty even, give or take, the median household income from 95 to 2000, give or take. The cost of higher education is insane. And of course, we all know the anecdotal things of, you know, my father went and got an English degree from a state school. And to the best of my knowledge, he paid for that state school liberal arts degree by working a summer job and possibly working at a state park in the winter, give or take, right? But you could pay for your education that way. There is no chance for us to pay for education. Like even at a state school, if it costs somewhere between $15,000, $20,000, you'd be hard pressed to sock that much money away in a couple months in summer, right? Well, you think, well, summer's long. It's got six months. It's like not if you're a college student. Uh, most of my seasonals come back for 30 to 40 days. You're not making 25 grand in 30 to 40 days working for a company, you know, coming back uh, with not a lot of skill and stuff like that. So one thing that we're going to be looking at in the future here is investing in yourself. And there's this great post on uh, Tanner Mullen's Facebook group, Painting Contractors, I believe today, which somebody said, I don't have a business degree. Who here has a business degree? Is it worth it? Should I go get it? I have a business degree. I have a bachelor's degree, right? Uh, with a double minor and two forms of accounting. It took me two and a half years of basically breaking myself. Uh, I got a four-year degree in two and a half years. 
Um, I even had the GI bill and I think my total bill was, I want to say somewhere between 60 and $80,000 for that education. Even the GI bill from the government, from my military service did not pay for the whole thing. They left me with about 17 K at the end of it. I actually finished college too early. So I would have had my whole college education paid for if I would have went another year and a half. The GI bill, what I found out pays for your time in college, not necessarily the number of credits. So I was taking 24, 26 credits a quarter, going summers, evenings, weekends, everything I could, and I got left with a bill. So even government service, military service, GI bill does not even pay for, um, does not even pay for the higher education. Now, if I, and I think I just made my last payment, I want to say five years ago, three, five, three to five years ago on that. Cause I just, you know, the interest rate was almost zero. So you just bank the lowest payment. You just keep it going on forever, whatever. Uh, but I did pay for it. And that's even after getting 75% of my college paid for. And I still had debt deep into owning my own business, starting my own family and buying a house, things like that. So, um, it is, it would be daunting to me right now. If all four of my kids went to an out of state private college for 30 to 40 grand a year times four years times four kids, uh, my kids would take on an enormous amount of debt. I mean, between all the ancillary stuff that goes on there, between 700K and a million dollars in debt, my four kids could take on after they leave my house and do that. And that is daunting, right? That is super daunting. So um, as you see the cost of higher education uh, rise like that, um, it's going to be interesting to see how people make choices, right? There's going to be a whole bunch of crafty people um, that uh, that find good colleges get what they need. But I would imagine that there's going to be a bunch of people who still do not go to a four-year education. Now, the problem is in the United States, that other slide, only three in a thousand uh, are in an apprenticeship. And I will say it's not because they don't want apprenticeship. I would argue it doesn't exist. I mean, if you've ever talked to somebody from Germany, uh, their high schools, there's like aviation high schools where Lockheed Martin will like underwrite the school and they will uh, train you around not only life skills, but like the technical skills. So you're actually going to like a technical high school so that when you get out, you basically have a job and a platform and everything else ready to go. That's a weird mix of school and business and all that other stuff. But we sort of do that now, right? We get businesses involved in school, uh, benefactors and things like that. So it's a weird thing that somewhere over the next 10 to 20, 30 years, the United States is going to have to figure out like what happens to, we kind of like focus on the top 5% and the lowest 5%. But there's this huge middle that's sort of like, we don't talk about it much. Um, I had this great meeting with a uh, technical college and their leadership team, especially uh, some of the members of their business uh, classes. This last week, we had a big sit down and we discussed how to work together to possibly uh, get the PCA, my own business, my own people involved in not only educating my business, but me educating people onto the path of entrepreneurship and trades and just anything else, basically uh, just starting your own businesses. And um, what I really loved was uh, there's uh, the main uh I think he was the Dean of Academics. He had a degree in entrepreneurship along with a whole bunch of other stuff. And he was basically saying that the segment of the educated education population they're most interested in is kind of that silent middle where the top five to 10 to 15% of every graduating high school class is going to have well-to-do parents who are four-year educated that can, will get guidance from them. They will uh, educate them on career, career paths, um, education, uh, where to go, how to do it, everything else. There's that middle part, the, the lowest five to 10 to 15%. Obviously, there's probably dysfunctional families. Maybe there's learning disabilities. There's physical disabilities, things like that. Uh, there's, there's resources when you get 
to that segment too, that aren't there for everything else. Um, then you have that middle section where he was bemoaning to me and this was that he was actually describing me. And I was just like sitting there like, Oh my God, that's me. It's like, your parents are fine. You have food, you have a reasonably healthy home at home, but there's really not a lot of like guidance. It's not assumed that you're going to go to a four-year education. There's not really a lot of intentionality. And if they do tell you to go do something after high school, sometimes it's four years of military. Sometimes it's general eds at a community college, but there's not somebody there guiding you and mentoring through. And there sure as hell isn't enough guidance counselors in high schools to do that entire middle uh, section, that silent majority. Um, and this person even bemoaned the fact to me that you have to understand that every high school counselor has a four-year degree, right? And it's usually an education and it's not because they're good people. It's not because they're bad people. It's just how humans are. Magically, there's going to be a bias towards a four-year degree, possibly liberal arts, possibly education, things like that. Now, I love that. And, and I, I went through a whole bunch of stats on um, uh, education too, and it is tough out there. Uh, my wife was an elementary teacher, elementary, middle school, high school teachers, things like that. It is rough out there. So this is not me saying you shouldn't get people into that stuff, but oh my God, it's not a gravy train out there for them either. So uh, the, the same things I'm espousing about the trades and entrepreneurship and, and uh, labor and things like that, I would say the same thing about education too, that they could probably use some of the same things out there. So, um, but it's really interesting that, um, when median income is not changing that much and the cost of education is so high, if there's not ripping job opportunities out there, you're going to find people that either take a break, fall off, or go find something else. And all we have to do is dangle that little uh, entrepreneurship carrot in front of some of these super high flyers where I'm not for or against education, right? I have a four-year degree. Uh, I'm also a trades business owner. I love what my education gave me. I also bemoan the fact that it didn't prepare me for what I'm going to do. So, And I don't know that anyone will. Odds of premature mortality. Hold tight. Stick with me on this one, all right? So why do I say all this stuff, right? I'm not sitting here just banging the uh, banging the gong, trying to get people into the trades, right? I'm not one of those people that says you either have to pick higher education and be a white collar or you have to do no education and blue collar. Most of the people that I look up to in this industry have some sort of degree and they're in the blue collar industries like that. Uh, awesome people. I say this because whatever you choose, choose wisely, find good people. And the thing that's really opened up my eyes about what we do is that for 25 years, I've been in this industry and I have not connected with humans, right? And I actually went, went out of my way to not connect to humans because I thought they're going to steal my secrets or I thought they were a competition. In the last five, six, seven years, my eyes have been opened that I did not know this industry had such an amazing, uh, amazing, colorful, robust, deep human base in it, right? And I am so angry that I did not do any of this 20 or 30 years ago. I would be a completely different human right now, personally, professionally, spiritually, everything, if I would have met these people and done things with them years and years and years ago. So go into biology, right? Be a brick mason, be a, theor a theoretical physicist, right? Be an educator, be a, be a kindergarten educator. But for the love of God, find people you like and surround yourself with these awesome people everywhere. Social connection is so huge. And now in the days of um, Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and things like this, we can sometimes create this artificial sense of connection 
We have connections, but we don't have friendships. We don't have meaningful relationships in our lives with people who have a knowledge base with us. So if you can find your tribe, your people, being a horticulturist, for the love of God, do it. But I will tell you this, one of the things that we don't talk about the best, we can talk about colors of paint, the craft, how satisfying every little bit of this craft is. Rolling paint down, spraying it, even cutting with a brush is so deeply satisfying. But we're completely silent on the deep human base that is here. And the humans is what makes it great, right? We would love painting no matter what, but it's lonely out there. Why do I put this slide up? <laughs> if you are obese or you have lack of social connection, no real friends, it's likely lack of lack of friendship, lack of true social connection is five to seven times more likely to kill you than obesity. Right? There's a, there's a shocking statistic, shocking statistic that I read. Lack of social connection and lack of true connection, friendship, things like that, will likely lead to premature death more than smoking, than drinking, than lack of physical activity, obesity, and even air pollution. So, so what does that tell us now? In a world of interconnectedness, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, social networks, virtual meetings, all that stuff checks the boxes for connection but it doesn't create community as Lauren Fink says, and it doesn't create genuine friendship. So think about this. If we never got together as the PCA and did our expo, I would not know the people from Alpine. I likely would not know Brad Ellison. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know any of these people have now become friends and mentors, right? If you work at a, a, a workplace, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because we, we have genuine human connection in my business and I love it. There is no work from home. There's no virtual meetings. There is none of that stuff. We probably could do a little of it, but we love our people. Think about if you're working in a big office setting. Think of how many water cooler conversations, lunchroom conversations, hallway conversations, parking lot conversations, after meeting conversations you are missing because you're not standing in the same room as people if you're working from home. I know people who have met mentors, people who have taken them under their wing because they were in a physical setting and they got to know that person. They saw their mannerisms. It wasn't just a virtual meeting where you're distracted, things like that. This is not me saying AI, virtual everything, social networking is bad, right? It connects me with a lot of you guys. But ask a painter live. If the only thing we ever did was this, I wouldn't have one genuine connection or friend in the world. There's a lot of you that I've only corresponded to uh, via DMs, email, things like that. And that's great. We are acquaintances. We are connections. We will never be friends unless we stand in the same room together. That is very, very important. And now this one is not data driven. This is a, <laughs> one of the, well, there's a podcast I listened to that I stole this from, but it seems to be true, which is most people believe that their arc of happiness is like this, right? Very happy in your twenties, and then as you get a little bit older, you go through that build a family, build a business, build a, build a work life, professional life. And then you get through that, you finally get to enjoy it, and then your happiness goes up again. General arc of happiness, give or take. Um, there's been a young fella um, who has been, who uh, 
who started his own painting business recently that I've been talking to quite a bit, trying to download some, some words of wisdom and, and, uh, seeing where his head's at, things like that. And it doesn't take long before the proverbial question of work-life balance comes up money versus time. Right. And as far as I can tell, um, what I believe is that you can have it all. You just can't have it all right now. If you want a bunch of time with your family, you cannot have the money that you wish. If you want a whole bunch of money, you likely will not have the time with your family. Now, our effectiveness as craftspeople and entrepreneurs will dictate how long that time segment is. For me, it's very long and might still be ongoing, right? I know some people who have got into this industry and within 12 to 24 months have already bridged that gap between having it all, not just having it right then, um, all at once. I say this because I see our industry evolving, right? Day by day, the humans I talk to, the social media uh, stuff that I follow, I'm seeing a lot of talk about mental health. I'm seeing talks about friendship. I'm seeing talks about work-life balance. And we swing in a lot of different ways, right? Um, There's hippies and then there's yuppies, right? In the the arc of history. We go uh, peace, love, no war. And then we go leisure suits, stock market, you know, things like that. And and we sometimes go hard in either direction uh, to the extreme sometimes. Um, it's likely that we have been in a, a grit, grit your teeth, get as many humans and vans as you can. And now we're sort of coming into the mental health, work-life balance era of what we do. We will likely swing too far where somebody says, you know what? It's unfair that I have to work more than 30 hours a week, but I also want to grow a huge business, uh, in the trades and things like that. And soon what we're going to find Soon what we're going to find is that that doesn't work either. Or if you have reasonable expectations of you can have it all, you just can't have it all right now. And you just have to be okay with whatever you choose. And this isn't a value judgment either. I'm not one of those uh, guys who have been around the industry that says all these youngsters need to bleed and they need to you know, only prep for two years and things like that. And that is actually a very bad idea. I would like people to enjoy happiness and satisfaction and money way quicker than I did, right? That I'm, I'm here as a cheerleader for that sort of thing. Um, but I will say that I am very glad that our industry is addressing all that stuff. And I don't think it's just our industry too, which is, you know, we always like to think that we're these um, underpaid, overworked, underappreciated sort of industries, right? That work with our hands and labor and things like that on Labor Day. And we are not, folks. Everybody feels underappreciated, right? And, and the the true fact is, most humans feel that they are not paid enough for what they do, whether you're an employee, a business owner, and things like that. And it just kind of is the fact. That's just human nature, right? So in, in, in summary, with all this stuff, between arc of happiness, premature mortality, uh, median household income, cost of higher education, uh, birth rates, and things like that, all I'll say is, I'm so happy to be doing this with you guys. This is interesting. The data and the feelings are really coming together for me over, especially over the last bunch of years here. It has been an absolute honor to do this with you guys. I love sharing this data. Being a servant leader has connected me with you guys. Connecting with you guys has allowed me to go to in-person events, which then helps me form true friendships. And uh, my closest friends on earth are from this industry, and I'm very glad for it. So on this Labor Day, we've been celebrating for 141 years, Uh, I hope you enjoy it.
I hope you appreciate your own labor. I hope you appreciate the labor you've put into this for the sake of our families, our friends, and everything else. And I hope you appreciate that we even have the opportunity to do this, right? Starting a business unimpeded, being only limited by our own spirit and will and grit is a unique thing. And it's unique to the United States, right? So yes, you can do that other places. But when you talk to people who have started businesses in other countries, they have a unique perspective uh, and they will share it with you. So, all right, everybody, I do appreciate this. As you saw, Pookie busted in and we're going to sit down and watch a Mission Impossible tonight. I got my kids hooked on spy movies. Uh, so we're going to sit down to some smoked pulled pork. We're going to sit down to a Mission Impossible and I'm going to enjoy the last bit of this beautiful summer day. And I appreciate the living heck out of you guys. And I cannot wait until winter when we start up winter school, not summer school, winter school for painters. And we get down to mastering the basics. I have so many awesome marketing estimating things that we're going to go into screen sharing, data, reason, logic. It's basically master's classes every week for you guys. I cannot wait till the snow flies till we get to get into it. So happy Labor Day, everybody. I appreciate you all and have a good week of labor. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.